The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey, friends. You can support this podcast by subscribing on your preferred platform. You can rate and review and leave a five-star rating on Apple iTunes. You can also share episodes on your Instagram or Facebook handles and tag Infertility and Me Podcast. And you can also follow Infertility and Me Podcast on Instagram at Infertility and Me Podcast. Thank you, friend. Peace and blessings. Have you been searching for a community that gets it? Join me, your host, Monique, as we get real about the emotional, physical, mental, and spiritual effects infertility has on its victims. Let's connect and heal together. I am one in eight, too. Thank you guys for tuning in to Infertility and Me Podcast. It's your host, Monique Farouk. Thank you so much for being here with me today, and thank you so much for allowing me to be a part of your day. Today, I have with me Amber Fisher, and she is a functional nutritionist, and she works specifically with fertility clients and helping them to get down to the root causes of some of their health issues outside of fertility so that they can maximize their chances for fertility. So Amber girl, thank you so much for coming on the pod today, dear. I appreciate you so much. Oh, and in fair warning, you guys, I'm outside with Omar. He did not want to come in the house. So I'm outside with Omar. If you hear a lot of noise, it's because we're outside. Just warning you guys now. <laughs> thank hey. you, Amber. Hi. Hi, thank you. I'm so excited to be on here. Thanks for having me. Thank you for uh, for connecting with me on Instagram. It's so hard. You know, it's so many of us out there, but I feel like sometimes it's hard to find your tribe when there's a lot of other people in the same space, you know, so yeah, I appreciate it. There's a lot anytime. of noise. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. Anytime anybody finds me first and lets me know they're, that they're there because <laughs> yes. everything so <laughs> makes it so much easier. Amber, you have a really unique journey, uh, much like many of us, and so, like, how did you and your husband meet? Did you guys, like, meet in college or? Yes. So we were college sweethearts. Um, we met on the speech and debate team and during undergrad, and we ended up getting married right after school. Really young. Maybe a little too young to get married, but, hey, we, we were in love and everything, so we got married. And I guess what's the whole journey of me and my story with fertility kind of started even before that, but I didn't really know it. So I never had regular periods or anything throughout my teenage years. Um, and in college, I ended up getting diagnosed with PCOS. And it's really hard to get that diagnosis because every doctor that I went to, and this still happens to me now, every time I go see a new doctor, it's always, you know, you don't, you don't look like you have PCOS, you know, which is a big misconception about, about PCOS. So, um, you know, we can go into that later and all that. But anyway, so I find I got my diagnosis and that was helpful because that really started me on the path of trying to learn more about my health. And that's when I started getting into nutrition and stuff like that. And I ended up having a really difficult go of it with, with my health and um, my fertility. And so my husband and I, we started 
kind of looking into, I started, I went to a reproductive endocrinologist pretty young because I had been told by one doctor that it would probably be difficult for me to have children. And so they recommended that I kind of get the ball rolling on it because I thought it would take a while. And so I went to this RE thinking that, you know, I didn't, I was naive. I didn't think, I thought maybe there was a cure or there was some medication I could take and it would kind of fix things. And so I wanted to get solutions for my health now, not just for any potential children that we might have. Because uh, at that time, I, I wasn't interested in having kids yet. Um, and I was kind of brushed off, told to take birth control. But he did do a biopsy of my um, endometrial lining because I hadn't had a period in a while. And that kind of started the process of me getting diagnosed with um, different, well, first hyperplasia, which is when the cells in the uterine lining kind of get out of control. And over the years, that got worse and worse. So in 2013, we... Uh, ended up after a few rounds of Clomid that were unsuccessful, we ended up going to a different RE who found that there were the lining had gotten more complex. There were uterine polyps and everything, so I had surgery to remove those. And she recommended I go to an oncologist at that point, which the oncologist was like, you know, this is not serious. This is not cancer. Like it's no big deal. I'll go away on its own. So fast forward a few more years and. We took a break from all the fertility stuff because we weren't ready to go straight to IVF and all of that. And that was the only option from the clinic because of, you know, what was going on with my uterus. So I didn't realize, I didn't understand how serious it was. And I always kind of thought, well, I'm healthy, I'm young. Like, you know, these horror stories or these unlucky things that might happen aren't going to happen to me. So, and then I was also naive too about nutrition. I thought, well, I'm just going to like, eat really healthy and I'll cure myself naturally. So I did a bunch of silly stuff and did not take my medications like I was supposed to and uh, ended up having an episode where I, I bled consistently for 60 days, which time got away from me. I didn't realize it had been that long. Ended up going to the doctor and that's when I was diagnosed with endometrial cancer. Then, you know, things changed. So it was more about, am I even going to get to keep my uterus and potentially have a child, a biological child in? Yeah, we were able to do fertility sparing stuff, but we ended up a few years later, um, I, I had a couple of recurrences over that time. And so once things were kind of calm, I, we ended up going to IVF and um, our IVF journey was fairly easy compared to some other women that I've seen, you know, yeah. in the, we've yeah. kind of gone through it a lot, but we certainly went through our struggles with it and everything. So our son, we have a, a little boy and he's 11 months old and he was our final embryo. So fortunately we were able to, to have him. And then just very recently, a couple months ago, I had another recurrence, the cancer and I had to have a total hysterectomy correct me. So I am done with my fertility journey in that sense, I'm just processing all of that. And my work with women with fertility issues really began when I first got diagnosed with cancer because I realized just how misinformed I had been and how much potential there was for a lot of women to have better outcomes with mm -hmm. these things. And so that's what I went into my master's degree kind of trying to specialize in. And, and since then I've been doing that work and um, it's been really great. I've made a lot of, met a lot of really amazing women and uh, mm -hmm. feel really doing something and helping so yeah right right wow so when you got your were you shocked when you had your reoccurrence this summer I was so I am you know obviously in my career it's important for me to practice 
is what I preach in a sense. I'm not, not perfect and I won't lie and say, you know, that I don't occasionally go like eat something that I know is unhealthy or, or what have you. But, you know, I try to do the best that I can for myself. And um, I had been struggling a lot after the baby was born because my whole, you know, as you know, your whole life changes and your routines are, it's very hard to get back to yourself. And so I... I was so focused on the baby that I, what really happened was I was trying to um, breastfeed and um, he was a NICU baby. And so I was pumping and I was not producing enough and my supply was low. And so I didn't want to take my progesterone, which is what I have to take to kind of keep my lining in a good spot. I didn't want to take that because I had read that it would lower milk supply. So I thought, well, three months or so of this, you know, it's okay. Like, I'm making prolactin or whatever. And I just sort of thought it would be fine. And then it turned out that I think that the, and this is what my oncologist thinks too, that the, the onslaught of hormones from first IVF and, you know, all the estrogen that you take, and it's an estrogen-based cancer for me. So all the estrogen that you take and all the different hormonal things. And then on top of that, being pregnant for nine months and having a lot of estrogen in my system just sort of triggered things to um, come back. And it is, with endometrial cancer, very common for women after pregnancy to have a recurrence. So I didn't know that until it happened to yeah. me because focus on the baby. But yeah, I was surprised just because, you know, I do take care of myself. And that's a big soapbox of mine in my practice because mm -hmm. I see a lot of noise out there about um, particularly PCOS. And, you know, I, I see people like saying, okay, take this supplement, that supplement, and this supplement, and then you'll get your periods back. And yeah. all and that's just not the reality of how these things work. You know, it, it works for some people, but it's a small percentage of people that that works for. Right. It's really a, a much more complex and difficult disorder to, as, as most fertility issues are, to kind of get to the bottom of. And I think it requires a certain expertise and then a certain willingness to like make peace with the fact that even if you do everything the right way, mm -hmm. it mean that we're going to repair everything completely naturally like we still will probably need help you yeah. know with yeah. an RE or something like that and so it's a combination of those two approaches that I think is the best way to treat this stuff so yeah I, I think that's a really good point that you make and I think that it's a it's a point that a lot of people need to hear because I, I tr truly believe in the functional approach to fertility and but like you said though is, is it the cure-all you know the end all no <laughs> And yeah, uh, I feel like that's a, a marketing mechanism in mm -hmm. that space a lot of times when people yes. are advertising themselves as a coach and as a functional nutritionist um, with a degree mm -hmm. like yourself, you know. <sighs> we parade around like we have all the answers and we really don't. I mean, science yeah. doesn't have all the answers about PCOS or unexplained infertility or premature ovarian insufficiency or any of these things. Um, so if science doesn't have the answer, then we don't have the answer yet. Uh, I do think there is an answer. I just don't think that we're there yet with our knowledge to where we can get there. And I think that that approach of acting like everything's curable, um, is very alienating for women who have given it a really like, you know, the old college try, like they have tried their heart out to like do everything right even maybe worked with somebody and tried to do everything right. And then it, you know, they still, still had issues, still were not having regular periods, whatever it may be. 
still had to go through IVF. I mean, I could speak from personal experience that that happened to me, you know, I mean, I have a master's degree in functional nutrition and I wasn't able to, you know, prevent myself from getting cancer or from um, yeah. having to go through IVF and all that. So there's a balance with it. On the other end of the spectrum, I do see a lot of people who I think get fed up with, with nutrition and stuff because they don't see the kind of results that they want to see. And so they throw it out the window. Like it doesn't matter at all. The reality is that it does matter. Like it, it's very yeah. important for your underlying health and your health is important for your fertility and then for the health of your future child, you know, so it makes a difference. It's just, I think it's alienating when, you know, you've tried everything and you're like, well, they say it's curable, but I haven't cured myself. So what am I supposed to do? You know? Yeah, yeah, I I can see how that could be like conflicting for you as a specialist, you know, a little mm -hmm. bit. But again, you know, there's not always a cure for everything. And mm -hmm. when you're dealing with nutrition, it's about the long run and not the, mm -hmm. not the sprint. And mm -hmm. I have made, you know, nutritional changes over the years and been some great benefits that I still, you know, still have today. But I had my son three years ago, and even with some of those changes, I still haven't gotten pregnant naturally. So I think mm -hmm. it's just being realistic too, and mm -hmm. knowing that when you when you embrace a healthier lifestyle change, that um, it will change your body. It may not cure it, and mm -hmm. there are examples of that happening. I mean, it does happen for some women, you know. Yeah. But I think that the hard part is when you're not one of those women. Mm -hmm. you know, but fertility is an extremely complex process and we bring so much into our lives genetically as well. And we bring a lot into our lives environmentally from, True. you know, the fact that we live in this modern environment where we have plastic everywhere, which disrupts mm -hmm. our hormones. We have our drinking water is not fully, you know free from hormonal th inputs and even our, you know, meat and things like that. So yeah. we're, we're, we're fighting up here, hill battle when we come into this life with a genetic predisposition towards any type of fertility issue, autoimmune issue, anything like that. We're fighting an uphill battle. So it's not all your fault, you know, yeah, yeah. that doesn't mean that it's not worth trying your hardest too, because it does make a difference in how you feel in potentially in your success rate. Yeah, and yeah. all that. So there's definitely like fine line with it that I always walk since I do specialize in fertility. You know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I was getting ready to reiterate what you said about the outside influences of fertility. Mm -hmm. And then I think that we have to remember that our bodies are complex anyway, and mm -hmm. the it works as a system. Mm -hmm. one part can't function and expect the other parts to still maintain, you know, they all work yes. together. They work together from the head down to the toe, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, yeah. I think there's, I think that's why I always say that, you know, you have tools in place to help you along your fertility journey, but there's no one tool that was going to, that's going to fix, fix it all. Or that's going to be the thing to heal you emotionally you know, or, or spiritually or physically, you know, all of it has to work together. And I think that nutrition is so hard because we do have so many feelings about food and people with, yes. you know, emotionally <laughs> eating and, yes. you know, things like bulimia and mm -hmm. 
food, our whole society is like based around freaking food. <laughs> it is. And food is very triggering, like, because food is part of not just, it's not just sustenance, right? It's culture, it's family, mm -hmm. it's, it's all these things. Um, it's memories. So, yeah. you know, it is hard, especially like in a lot of the work that I do, um, you know, I work with a lot of people who do have emotional attachments to food. A weird thing. I think almost everybody has. It's natural for you to have connections to foods, but when that when those connections become unhealthy in a way that they can sabotage you, that's when it gets difficult. So I always have people work with a, a therapist as well because I do think the mind-body approach is very important. And just to touch on what you said about the body being a, a system, I mean, that's that's the entire idea behind functional medicine and functional mm -hmm. nutrition. Let's stop looking at the body as, you know, let's stop looking at fertility as like, okay, it's just your ovaries that are acting up or right, right. just your uterus. Your uterus, your ovaries, all those are deeply connected to, you know, your gut health, your, um, your emotional health, your lymphatic system. I mean, all these different parts of your body play a big role in your fertility and, um, you know, the biggest places where nutrition can play a role is in changing the quality of things that you're taking in. So your nutrient density, changing the impact of um, insulin on, you know, your, your fertility organs, which, you know, plays a big role. So there's a lot of things that can do. You know, we have to approach it as a functional system and not as like, here, take Vitex because it'll make you, you know, ovulate or something like that. It just doesn't work that way. So how do you feel about, well, how do you coach your clients through the realization that we're 20 something, 30 something, maybe even 40 yeah. years old uh -huh. and we've gone most of our life, you know, doing things in moderation. And yeah. so when you begin a new lifestyle change, especially with nutrition that affects the whole system, yeah. how do you coach them through the realization that there's so much that needs to be healed first? Mm, that they have to let things go. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's almost like your body, when you do introduce a healthier system lifestyle mm -hmm. to your, to your body, you have to wait for it to cleanse it. Mm. Really? Yes. That's hard. Yes. So my, my ideal person that I work with is coming to see me about six months to a year before they're going to do fertility treatments because that gives the body time. That gives me freedom as the practitioner to put them on a elimination protocol, to do testing, to do all these kinds of detoxing type things like you're talking about. Those are very stressful on the body. I mean, and doing those kinds of stressful things is good in the long run, but it is a hit on your immune system at the beginning. It's not ideal to make these big, crazy, like changes at the same time that you're going through an IVF cycle or anything like that. You want to be very calm during your fertility treatments as much as possible, like no major changes with calorie consumption or with eliminating entire food groups, stuff like that. If you're already at a place where you've been doing that for a while, then that's where it helps you. And I mean, it's, we talk about like egg development too, and you want a good 90 days of eating healthy and everything before you attempt to have an egg retrieved that would even see any differences from, you know, what you were doing. So 
there's definitely a time frame with it that needs to be, you know, like you said, it's nutrition is the long game. It's not going to be like you go on a 30 day cleanse and then like this, you know, all of a sudden your IVF retrievals go better. It's like, okay, over time, over the course of a year or so, you know, or even six months, you've made these positive changes and now your whole body is functioning better. So you respond better to medications. You don't need as high of doses, you know, things like that. And and then it ends up and you have a healthier pregnancy where you're not as miserable and, you know, all that kind of thing. So um, the coaching part of that is tough. I mean, I, I get people who run the gamut. Like I have women who have just been diagnosed and they want to know what they can do. I have women that are already in the middle of fertility treatments. I have women that have IVF scheduled next month. So we do what we can, you know? Um, but um, I think just getting people to take a step back and look at it from a longer term perspective of like, okay, you are spending more than likely if you live in the United States, a lot of money on IVF. Uh, so what can you do? What do you have control over? You do have control over what you eat, at least for most people. Um, and so what changes can you make now before investing all of that money so that you, you know, you know that you've done everything that you can and whether it works out or doesn't work out, you'll know that you did what you needed to do to kind of emotionally feel like you did everything possible. So I think that is, um, that's really important. And then that's hard in our like modern kind of society. We're all about instant gratification. So it's like, when we make the decision that we want to do IVF, man, we want to get on with the clinic. Yeah. Like we hate when they push us out and make us wait a month or two, you know, but that preparation time is so important for the body and for the mind. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 I can see that. Yeah. I can see that being really hard. I mean, it was hard for me. Yeah, I think that's a big obstacle too. Is realizing that it does take time for these changes to come about because then you have things like when you get into food absorption and yeah, and, and the yeah. and your body even taking in those things. So like mm -hmm. you all the right foods, but if your absorption rate is low, then it's almost like void, yeah. you know. And um, it's extremely common in women with fertility issues to have gut health issues. Yeah. I mean, mo most modern kind of diseases or conditions stem from gut health imbalances, dysbiosis and all of that. So, you know, those, that, that takes time to, to heal. And you have to, if you do have issues like that, where, you know, they're a little bit more severe or you've had them for a long time, you know, that's when I think, and I'm, of course I'm biased because I am a nutritionist, but I think it's important to get an outside perspective and get somebody with some someone who does that for a living, who's tr properly trained and all that to kind of help you through that process, because gut health is not something that fixes overnight. And it, it's not just about, you know, removing foods that, you know, cause an upset stomach. It's, it's a lot more than that. It's a removal process. It's a reintroduction process. It's re-inoculating the gut with beneficial bacteria and all that. And that's best done with somebody who's a professional especially if there's something like IVF on the line or other fertility treatments where you're investing a lot of money into it. If you want to do it well and you want to do it right and you have the resources to do that, which I recognize that not everybody does, I think trying to find somebody outside, somebody in your area to kind of like help you with that process, is, it, it helps. It makes things a lot easier because it's so hard as yourself. And I know this 
from my own perspective too, like even as a nutritionist, like it's hard to take an objective look at my own lifestyle and my own diet. I have a friend of mine who's also a nutritionist. So I let her do that for me. Like she functions as my nutritionist because I think we all need somebody who is not emotionally attached to the situation to kind of look at it for us. Cause I don't know what it is about food, but sometimes, you know, we, we kind of lie to ourselves about yeah, things sometimes. So. I definitely do. <laughs> well, I do too. I can't <laughs> lie about that. You know, we, I think we all do it. I think that when we go through fertility issues because it is about bringing forth new life and having that ability to and mm-hmm. been given the gift of parenthood it kind of opens your eyes to the world a little differently yeah. and I find that a lot of other people feel the same way so you know fertility is so complex and there's so many things you can still talk about it you just we just need more awareness and more people like yourself who are who are in this the space of trying to help people heal even just a little bit, you know? Yeah. We may not always get that total healing physically because of medical conditions, but at least just a little bit more comfort to build up our self-esteem and. Yeah. And, and I think that there's a lot of hope for a lot of women. I mean, I see a lot of suffering and, you know, I mean, as a practitioner, I mean, you know this, like you have to protect yourself from burnout, right? And so I know that I can't help everybody. I can't take on every single person asking me a question as much as I wish that I could because I have only a limited amount of energy and have my my son now too, who I want to give my energy to. I waited so long for him, you know, that I want to treasure these moments with him and everything. I do think that there's a lot of hope and there are a lot of people out there that, that are like ready to help. And, um, and with that said too, like that's that hope and that healing, I think is something that I've really benefited from with the IVF community. Even though I jo- I, I joined the IVF community like after I already had my son, mostly because during the time when I was going through IVF and everything, I was so shy and embarrassed and like insular about it. You know, I wish that I had taken more pictures and like reached out to more women. I did not know that there was such a vibrant community around that. And now having had my son, I feel like, wow, you know, there are all these women out there that have had similar experiences to me that I've been connecting with. And it's been amazing. And that that's one of the reasons why I started my other account. So I, you know, I have my nutrition account and I started my other one about being a mother after IVF, just because I realized that there were a lot of women like myself that were looking for community and support in other IVF mothers. I just wanted to find a place where we could all like, you know, meet and, and share stories and experiences. And that's been so important for me because like, I I realized when my son turned about, I guess about eight months, I finally felt like I, I guess I was like coming back to myself as a person and realized wow, I have not processed a lot of this grief, like a lot of this pain and, and everything from my whole journey. Everything was just like a mountain climb, like fighting against nature, trying to get stuff to work and like fighting a battle, I guess. And then now the battle's won, right? And the battle's over for me. I won't be having any more biological kids. So I don't have that, you know, that continued anxiety and grief over, you know, potentially having a second one, which, you know, there's good things and bad things about that. Of course, I would love to have a second child, 
we might adopt, but you know, um, I don't have to physically worry about that anymore. So now I feel like almost like I'm needing to go back through my experience and process it and grieve it because a lot happened. A lot of painful things happened. And like, I did not have the emotional reserves to deal with them at the time. And now like I'm 11, my son's 11 months old. And, you know, I'm like sitting here crying over different things. Like the other day I found a, a journal that I had written after our first transfer failed and we only had two embryos. So the second embryo, the, it, it was PGS normal, but it was like not a high grade and the MIDA score was high. And so there, this list of questions, a couple of them are like, uh, one of them was, is it worth transferring? You know, cause I had a meeting with the doctor. And so I asked him, is this even worth transferring? And that ended up being my son, you know? So the pain of that experience of thinking about like, I was so ready to give up because of just everything that had happened. Um, my doctor had to convince me to go ahead and transfer that embryo because I didn't think it was worth transferring. I was just so like low at that point. And then another one of the questions was, you know, um, is my low, um, is the low quality of my uh, embryos of my egg quality? Is that because of something that I went through in the past or is it just me? You know, like, is it my fault that I have low egg quality? And so I found that no going through, I was actually going through, um, I keep like everything in the same journal, almost like a bullet journal. You know, I use it for notes. I use it for poetry. I use it for all kinds of things. So I had that in there and I was going through it and I just randomly like opened the page and I, and I, this, everything came flooding back to me. Like that moment of making my list of questions for the doctor after the failed transfer and just how exhausted and painful that was. And, you know, I'm, I'll forever be grateful to him. Cause he was like, look, don't worry about the mind a score like yeah. I think it's still worth transferring let's just try it you know yeah. and um and we did and it ended up being my son but but yeah I feel like I still have a lot to process with that so. yeah you know it's um it takes time and that's and yeah. I, was, I kind of went through the same thing you did with how like going back over the story going back over the journey before I started the podcast and trying to find something to create or create some kind of space to give back to the community um yeah and and i just started writing my story out into a book and so i mean i was literally at my laptop like just with tears coming down my face you know what i mean so i kind of yeah. had that same experience and yeah. i think a lot of women go through that and a lot of men go through that even now when they're in the midst and they think about mm -hmm. they think back on everything that has transpired along their journey and then maybe sometimes they go back their journals and they're looking at it like wow we have come a long way even though we're not there yet and so i mm -hmm. think it's important that we remember that we take notice and we and we congratulate ourselves for look you know i'm not where i want to be yet but i we have come mm -hmm. so far you know yeah yeah and i i think it's important too for everyone to remember and, and take note of the fact that this process of of looking deeper at things and grieving things does not end once that baby's in your arms or once you get a positive pregnancy test it continues yeah. because your fertility journey will always be a it'll always be a painful painful journey and that you know that pain 
doesn't just completely get washed away once you have your baby, even though that's what you, you know, you were working for and everything, you still have to process that, that grief and, and everything. And I know when I was going through IVF and when I did get pregnant, I put off a lot of that grieving for a long time because to me, it just didn't seem like it was that big of a deal. Um, and then when I, when I did actually have my son and he was like born at 30 weeks and he was in the NICU and everything. I, we talked about this before, but like, I didn't think about that. You know, I didn't grieve that process either because I was just surviving, I think. And I didn't realize I was just surviving until very recently when I started to actually like grieve all this stuff. Um, so I think in the moment you don't think you might, not, you might, I mean, some people do, but you might not be processing the grief and the trauma that you've been through and it'll come up and hit you later and everything. But I always remembered, um, women saying, you know, especially in like my preemie Nikki moms group that I'm a part of them coming back a year later and saying, you know, that they were having PTSD or they were having trauma or whatever from their NICU stay. And I was thinking, gosh, it's been like a long time since they were in the NICU. Like, what are they grieving or what, you know, because for me, I was still like living it. It was still fresh, but it is true that given some space and time, it's like, wow, you really have to, I mean, you do have to process those things and, um, and it's hard. Yeah. I think, well, I know for sure in the podcasting space, my, my thing and my hope is that we all learn how to not just survive while we're in the mess, but truly, just, you know, truly give ourselves time to live too. Yeah. In the midst of the, in the midst of getting to the destination. Yes. And you know, it was, it was very late and before it was right. It was like that year that we got pregnant that I just started living while still going through it. And mm -hmm. And it was because I did have that four-year break between um, getting pregnant and then having the initial diagnosis. So, mm -hmm. you know, that's not ideal for most people to take a long break like that. But we, we, um, we did. You know, that was what was best for us. But I think that um, if anything, I want anybody to know today is that we we got to stop just surviving. Yeah, got to just stop surviving through this thing. Because you can you can go through it all. You can deal with the grief of losing embryos and MB, M babies, as they normally would say, and getting postponed because of whatever, and needing mm -hmm. another surgery to do something because yeah, this popped up or a polyp came up, you know, or something like that. And we can, but we can still be able to. I, my just my hope is that we can just stop surviving, you know, just stop. Yeah. Just stop going through the motions. Let's really just let's process these things while they're happening, you know. And yeah, I think with the mind-body approach that nutritional, functional nutrition uh, teaches, it it can help with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I think it's it's always important to take care of yourself. There are different ways of taking care of yourself, right? I mean, yeah. it's not all all about like doing yoga or taking a bubble bath or what have you. I mean, I think true self-care for you, but true self-care is like having good boundaries, um, eating well, like sleeping enough. Um, those kinds of things are, and then like time away 
from like mindless activities. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Time away from the stresses of your life, because especially when you're going through fertility treatments, I mean, most of the time you're also working and you're also like, you know, you might be raising another child at the same time. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on and it's Mm -hmm. like, I think you're right. It's important to just get away. And I know that that's hard. I mean, we're talking about that and that's so hard right now with COVID and everything. And I don't even, I mean, I can't even imagine the, the difficulty of the experience of going through fertility treatments and pregnancy now yeah, yeah. Um, with this new reality, you know, I know it has to be really hard. We don't want to survive. We want to thrive. Right. So. Yeah. 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 I love that. Yeah. And I think that's a great, great way to end today's conversation. Yeah. And friends, you heard it here first. Amber said it, you know, we got to, we can't just survive. We have to thrive as well and, and use all of our tools to help us get there and get through it. So Amber, share with us your social media handles, your website. Sure. So you can find me on Instagram at Amber Fisher Nutritionist. And Fisher is spelled F-I-S-C-H-E-R. So I have a funky spelling. And then my other group for um, is called um, After underscore IVF. And that is all about motherhood after IVF and sharing stories and everything. And then I have a website, AmberFisherNutrition.com. Those are the big ones. Thank you. Oh, you'll see that in Amber's bio, see that she has a podcast as well. So yes, you guys have a podcast. Yes, indeed. So thank you so much, Amber. Yes, for, uh, thank you for having me on. Yes, thank you so much. And thank you, friends, for tuning in to Infertility and Me podcast. Peace and blessings.